Good morning, Westside Family Church. I'm so excited to see you today. You're energized here, Speedway, and those of you watching online. We're going to dive into the message in just a second, uh, but for Westsiders, particularly, I know we have a lot of guests today, I just have to say something about the value them both vote last week. I'm just going to say it out. I got so much I want to say. I'm just going to say I'm super disappointed. Uh, I'm super, super, super disappointed, uh, but uh, what I was prepared to say uh, this week w- was the same thing I was going to say regardless, and uh, here's what I want to say. Followers of Jesus Christ live distinctively different lifestyles. We live a different way. Amen? And uh, Christianity, from the time that Jesus started this thing, for the most part in human history, Christians have lived a count culturally a countercultural life uh, we've had the beauty and the benefit for most of our at least my life to live in a country where a lot of my values overlapped with the values of the country uh, but a lot of that is changing right now and the bottom line is is that you are called in this day for such a time as this to live distinctively different lifestyles and here's what I want to say to you couple things, six things, as a matter of fact. I'll be real quick. Number one, you're called to love your neighbor, okay? Don't be bombing clinics and stuff like that, okay? Don't want to, I'm not paying you bail money. You don't need to be doing that, all right? Um, number two, uh, I want you to know that uh, Westside Family Church is a big supporter of advice and aid in our community, which is a nonprofit organization that comes alongside of women uh, and men pre during and post whatever decision that they make to help them. Even if they choose abortion, they're there to help them. And uh, we have decided this week, in light of the vote, in light of what is gonna happen in the state of Kansas, to double our contribution to them this week. We doubled it, doubled it, right? Number three, I want you to know that Westside has always had, we're not starting this stuff today, we've always had an abortion recovery group, and, uh, and if you know of somebody who's, who's had an abortion, there's the story that's told of a number of women uh, that have a lot of troubles after an abortion because they weren't told the truth. We have an abortion recovery group, okay? And so you can check that out uh, online and uh, be sure you're armed with that information as Kansas City becomes a destination for this, okay? The next thing you need to uh, know is that Westside Family Church has and will always come alongside of a young woman, uh, a middle-aged woman, older woman who has the courage uh, to take a pregnancy to full term and deliver them if they need financial assistance and help and resources to get there. We've always done it, and we will continue to do it. You know, one of the things I heard is some people said, well, I hope these Christians and churches are prepared to take in all these babies who live. And um, I have to tell you that uh, Westside Family Church isn't starting this week. We have always been prepared for that. We have full-time staff. We have full-time staff, full-time staff that do nothing but work on foster and adoption to make sure that kids that need a home will have a home. And then finally, we started a couple of years ago these care communities, which allows a handful of people like an A2 group to provide a wraparound support system uh, for foster 
and adoptive parents who need help because it's a hard job. And uh, we have seven uh, foster uh, uh, families that are waiting in the waiting list to have that wraparound support. So if you want something tangible to do, uh, become a part of a care community. Roseanne and I have been doing it now uh, for about three years, and we feel like we're doing a little bit uh, to make uh, a difference in the life of four kids that we think, I don't know, maybe come the president of the United States. You know, that would be so freaking cool. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, right now in this hour, we open up our minds. We open up our hearts. We open up our hands to receive your good word. What you are going to show us today, we have already predetermined before we even hear it that we are going to follow it even if we don't like it, even if we don't fully understand it, because you have proven over and over again that you never lead your children to a bad place, but to a good place. And so today, we utterly, utterly trust you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So a blowhard Air Force Major received a promotion to colonel and therefore got a new office. His first morning behind his new desk, a knock comes at the door from a lowly airman who wants to talk to him. Feeling the urge to impress the lowly airman, the new colonel picks up the phone and says, Yes, general. Yes. Thank you. I'll be sure to pass this along to the president later this afternoon. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. And he hangs up the phone and then he snorts and looks at the lowly airman and says, what do you want? And the airman said, nothing important. I just came to hook up your phone. <laughs> yeah. Today, we are continuing our journey through the scriptures as to what God's word has to say about this huge area of your life called work. Yeah, the Bible has a lot to say about the workplace. And today, we stumble upon the teachings of Jesus himself. And one of the things that Jesus wants to say to this blowhard Air Force colonel but particularly to followers of Jesus Christ, is that I did not put you into the workplace to impress, but to express. I didn't put you into the workplace to impress others about who you are, but rather I put you in the workplace for you to express to others about me through your life. Jesus is shouting out to this, us, I didn't put you in the workplace place to impress, but to impact. Not to impress others about who you are, but I put you into the workplace to impact the lives of others for their good. The big idea of Jesus for all of us who claim his name is that you put, he puts you in the workplace to make a difference. To make a difference. We find this throughout the teachings of Jesus, but specifically in his famous Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter five. 
So I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles, your analog Bibles, your digital Bibles, or even better yet, to download the Westside app. You can go to the gathering notes and you'll see all the scriptures today as well as an outline to fill in to help you retain what we are sharing with you today. The sermon of Jesus begins in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. He starts off this way. Let me tell you why you are here. Wow, that's pretty cool, right? Jesus is about ready to tell you and I why we are left here on this earth and specifically why we are in the job we are in. And if you, if you follow Jesus and you respect Jesus, you will lean in, lean in, and pay careful attention. Jesus, as the master teacher, is not going to make it hard for us. He's going to take our job description and put it in the form of two metaphors on the lower shelf for guys like me. The first one is found in verse 13. Jesus speaks, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. So the first metaphor is that we are salt. We are to be salt in the workplace. Now here, salt is godliness. What is salt? Salt is godliness. It is the Christ-like character and virtue that you are forming in your life. You are to bring that godliness into the workplace. Now, I've looked at four positive usages of salt uh, for us in our life that we are to equate to our job description as followers of Jesus Christ. I want to list those out for you. It should be in every believer's job description. First, creates a thirst for God. Creates a thirst for God. Some of you might remember the ancient, now ancient, show called Seinfeld, right, where Kramer has one line in a Woody Allen movie that is being filmed in New York. If you know that one line, say it out loud with me. Ready? These pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah, you have here, I have here a pretzel. And when you put those big chunks of salt on them, yeah, and you take a bite, Mmm, mmm, the salt makes me thirsty. The same thing is true for a follower of Jesus Christ. We're like a pretzel with big salt chunks on it. And when people taste the saltiness of our lives, they should say, these Christians are making me thirsty for God. And it should lead them to the living water of Jesus Christ. That's your job description. Number two, salt preserves what is good. Salt is a preservative. Now, back in the day when there weren't refrigerators, how in the world did people preserve meat? Mm. what they did is that they poured salt on it. Why? 
because salt draws out the moisture, draws out the water, and therefore reduces the opportunity for mold and bacteria to grow. The same thing is true for the follower of Jesus Christ. We are sent into the workplace so that we might preserve what is good. We might preserve what is good. The believer looks for ways to protect coworkers, to serve people from the mold that will spoil their lives and looks for ways to preserve what is good. The follower of Jesus Christ doesn't live this way, but lives that the way that preserves what is good, lovely, just, beautiful, and right. The third thing that salt does is that it heals wounds. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's like pouring salt into a wound? You ever heard that? Yeah, salt does it. Now, I want to illustrate this, and it's so perfect timing because the guy that heads up our safety team uh, this week took a bad spill on his bike and uh, busted up his face as well as his arms, and he's got some pretty fresh wounds there. That one looks super nasty. And so, it's like pouring salt on the wound. That hurts, right? Yeah, so it stings a little bit, but here's the reason you put salt on a wound, because it is going to create healing. It's going to uh, eliminate uh, the bacteria and, and that which would promote infection. So it hurt, but ultimately I loved you by pouring salt <laughs> on your wound. Now here's the deal. What you're gonna know is that you don't wanna pour too much salt on the wound because if you do, it will destroy the tissue. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, it hurts a little bit. And see, here's the deal. Too much salt actually destroys the tissue of there. So thank you for taking one for the team on this one. But the, but the, the illustration is pretty good. As followers of Jesus, you need to learn in the workplace how to sprinkle the right amount of salt on the wound. What does it mean? You need to dish out just the right amount of counsel and godliness so that it can heal them. Whenever you pour it on too thick, Bible thumping, judgmentalism, preaching to them all the time, it has a negative effect and tears the tissue, spiritual tissue up. So you need to heal wounds, but don't put on too much. Let's give it up for Eric Arnson. I mean, Eric, uh, Eric. Okay, my personal favorite is this is it brings out the flavor of life in Christ. Salt brings out flavor in food, doesn't it? So, yeah, I brought my personal favorite, waffle fries from Chick-fil-A. Yeah, you wanna, hey, security is all up here. No one's gonna rush the stage here, right? Yeah, the waffle fries are great. I usually get mine on Monday, cheat day is what I call it. But when you put salt on some hot, hot waffle fries, and the waffle fries go to a whole nother level. Mm. Now you know that in fact, these waffle fries taste nasty. <laughs> Why is it? Because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. But I did it 
because I love Chick-fil-A. I love the way in which they lead their company. Followers of Jesus Christ, I love that company. We are supposed to enter into the workplace and we are to have people taste our way of life, the way in which we talk to them and it brings out a beautiful flavor. A lot of people think Christianity is boring, boring. But we wanna show them there's an alternative to hooking up with anybody and everybody, of getting stone drunk after work or on the weekends, or to chasing money at all costs, or climbing the ladder of success, stepping on other people to get ahead, or living an imbalanced life in the workplace as a workaholic, or working to make money to buy things you don't need. The follower of Jesus Christ has an alternative. It is a, it is a life full of flavor and rich in relationship. And when they taste the saltiness and the flavor of our life, it'll make them want to go in a direction that will save them. Can I get an amen? Did you know, study done by George Gallup, who was a personal friend of mine. I remember sitting across the desk from him and he said, Randy, we finished this study uh, of followers of Jesus and not followers of Jesus. And he said, followers of Jesus, particularly in the workplace, have more joy than those who do not follow Jesus. It's verifiable, it's scientific. He said, and here's what he said, but it's not just a little bit. He said, the differential is over 200%. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, here's a warning. Jesus said, if he opened up this job for you, and for whatever reason you decide not to bring your saltiness to work, so that can have a positive impact on those people that God sent you there to reach, who he loves, who he sent his son to die for, if you won't bring your saltiness to work, don't be surprised if one day you lose your job. He counted on you, he trusted you, and you didn't deliver. And that's what Jesus said. If the salt has lost its saltiness, what good it is but, but to be thrown in the garbage. So take the admonition that you are called as a follower of Jesus Christ to bring your godly character into the workplace. Now, if, the salt, if you've lost your saltiness, let me encourage you with an action step. Here it is. Jump in the salt shaker with other believers at work. Yep. If you're just a specific little grain of salt, it is hard to have influence. It's hard to bring out robust flavor. But if you will jump into the salt shaker with other believers in Jesus in your workplace, you'll find encouragement. Maybe start a little prayer group or start a Bible study or just anything, a Facebook group, that will encourage you and gather with other believers um, because there's more robust flavor there. But keep in mind that the purpose of salt in the salt shaker is not to stay in the salt shaker, right? So I'm going to sing a song that's going to help you remember what you're supposed to do as followers of Jesus in the marketplace. Are you ready? <clears throat> shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake your salt out. Ooh. Shake your salt out. Ooh. 
Yeah, that's pretty good, right? While others are shaking their booty, you're shaking your godliness. Yeah, I can't believe I said that, but I think it helps make my point. Second metaphor found in verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide it under a bucket, do you? I'm putting, it, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I have put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to be open, to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The second part of every Christian's job description, whether it is written on the one that you were given by your employer, is that we are light. And light is not meant to be hidden. So step number one, bring your light out of the closet. I'm just going to make one simple point. If I were to enter into your workplace as your pastor, would I find people, mm -hmm, I'm going there, would I find people who know that you're a follower of Jesus? Not so much by the words you speak, but by the testimony of your very life. This is the call of God on your life. I'm coming to your place tomorrow. <laughs> the second purpose of light is it sheds light on the truth. It sheds light on the truth. The people in your workplace are wandering around in the darkness and they're desperately in need of direction. Direction that you receive when places like Westside on a Sunday morning in your personal time with the Lord, you have godly advice and direction to give them. But remember, when you're giving out this advice, the words of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. One of my mentors, I've talked about him several times, he's actually a West Sider, he lives in Texas. Years ago, he was voted um, man of the year by some nonprofit organization. It was a pretty big deal, and I went to the event, and a number of people were standing up and speaking on his behalf. And I'll never forget one guy who encountered Mike in the workplace. He said, um, he said uh, I was um, getting ready to lose my marriage because of my stupidity and my decisions, and no one challenged me on it at all, except Mike. He wrote me a respectful but challenging, encouraging letter, followed up with a phone conversation. And I decided in that moment, for the only person who had the courage to say something to me, I decided not to throw my marriage into the tank. And he had tears strolling down his face, and he said, today, I am still married. And we are thriving. Yeah, shedding light on the truth. The final one is that, is that light illumines the path to God. 
Light illumines the path to God. One of the practical things you can do is to invite them to Westside or whatever church you attend. Research tells us that 50% of the people who are invited by believers to come to their church will say yes if you will merely invite them. It could be a game changer for them like it was for me and like it probably was for you. So do that. Now, I have a recommendation for you. God calls you to be a light in a dark place. But if the batteries are low in your flashlight, well, it's not going to shine much light. So I have a final admonition for you, and we're going to put it on the screen. Make your spiritual, sure your spiritual batteries are charged. Yeah, how do you do that? You meet with Christ. You abide with him. You read his word. You pray. You seek direction. And you get involved in a community of believers like we here are at Westside to equip and to strengthen you and to charge your batteries so that when you enter into the workplace every single day, yeah, with your light shining, that's pretty cool, right? Even brighter. Uh-huh. How about that Bible study? Boom. <laughs> Even more. And the idea is that eventually you will take that path straight to the cross and see people become followers of Jesus Christ because God has appropriately placed you in the workplace. All of God's people said... Amen to that. So in the fall of 1964, uh, 30-year-old Glenn Holland is a successful and talented musician and composer from Portland, Oregon. So he decides to switch gears and take a position as a high school teacher so that he can spend more time with his wife as well as compose his symphony. But over the years, what he discovered is that time was all taken with his high school students versus working on his symphony. 30 years later, the school decides to shut down the art program, and Glenn makes a passionate plea to the Board of Education, but to no avail. And he believes his teaching career has amounted to nothing. On the last day, his wife and his now-grown son, who happens to be deaf, help him clean out his office, and then they take him on a little detour to the auditorium, and this is what he found.
seems to be a little late, so I guess it's up to me to begin. Um, when word first got out that the music program was cut and about the retirement of my husband, well, I've never seen such a response from the community. Oh, looks like my watch is fast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, may I present our governor and Kennedy High School alumnus, the most honorable Gertrude Principal Walters, I'd like you to know, yes, I brought a note from my mother. <laughs> Mr. Holland had a profound influence on my life, on a lot of lives, I know. And yet I get the feeling that he considers a great part of his own life misspent. Rumor had it he was always working on this symphony of his, and this was going to make him famous, rich, probably both. But Mr. Holland isn't rich, and he isn't famous, at least not outside of our little town. So it might be easy for him to think himself a failure. And he would be wrong, because I think he's achieved a success far beyond risen fame. Look around you. There is not a life in this room that you have not touched. And each one of us is a better person because of you. We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. And we are the music of your life. From there, the governor, who was a student of Glenn Holland, after she finished her talk, she took her place in the orchestra where she learned to play the clarinet. And they invited Glenn Holland to the stage, to his surprise, to conduct the orchestra made up of students across the season of his life and, and teaching career. And he conducted Mr. Holland's opus. Every Sunday, we've been passing out the West Sider of the Week. And this week, we've dedicated uh, our West Sider of the Week to three different teachers, one for every service because the teacher that has been nominated by people has no idea of uh, the name I'm getting ready to call. Yeah, that's cool, right? And so the West Sider of the Week is a teacher by the name of Mary Krenz. Is Mary in the house today? I was told she is. Is there a Mary here? Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Mary? Yeah? You didn't see this coming, did you? <laughs> she was crying over the movie now. Now you're Mrs. Holland. <laughs> There's you, there you go. Hey, let's say a couple things. 
Yeah, here's a mic. If you want to say something, you don't have to. You can sing Shake, Shake Your Booty if you want to with me. Okay. So here's the deal. Retired in 2020 after 35 years of teaching second grade at Baser Linwood Schools, right? That's pretty cool. <laughs> the people that nominated her said that her favorite book was, correct me if I'm wrong, Walter and the Farting Frog. Dog. Dog, faulting, farting dog. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because frogs probably don't do it. So, okay, yeah. There's it. That makes a lot more sense now. I'm like, I'm, I never got close enough to a frog to know whether they did that or not, but uh, there you go. So, I'm going to read two comments from, there's a lot of people who, who submitted stuff. This is uh, Alexa Nicole. Uh, she's now 24 years old. I'm just going to read Mrs. Grinz was more than a teacher during my years at Baser Elementary. She has left a lasting impact on me all of these years and will forever be one of my favorites. And then we have uh, Charlie Norman, who's now 11, says, you made a huge impact on me as a teacher. You helped me when I struggled with reading and found extra help uh, for me when I needed it. I no longer struggle to read. <laughs> That's pretty cool, right? But we have a coworker by the name of Heather Osterhaas, who, who is going to come out, and she's going to say a few words to you personally. So let's give it up for Heather. I'm going to try to get through this, but I won't cry. So um, I've known Mary for over 20 years. She has been a mentor, co-worker, leader, not only in our building, uh, but in the whole Baser Linwood School District. She's been a teacher to my children and most of all, an amazing friend. She's what we would call a natural born educator. She's always gone above and beyond preparing for her students through weekends, late nights and early mornings. Um, I remember one time she was sick and she went to school about two o'clock in the morning to make sure everything was ready because she didn't want her kids to not have their normal routine with a substitute. Um, not only time, but money, as most educators do. Um, but we like to joke, Keith says, uh, Keith is Mary's husband, that Target is always happy to see her. <laughs> as well as the ink cartridge places. Um, that bill went down a little bit when she retired. Um, Target still likes you, but every school year that Mary started um, was like her very first year. She was always super excited to see her students and see what she could learn from her students and then figure out what she needed to do to best meet their needs. Um, this lady right here has zero teacher burnout. She went and went and went. Um, there are so many teachers that looked up to Mary. I can't even begin to name them. COVID was pretty hard um, on everybody in the education world. We worked really hard together um, to get through it. We spent every week um, together at either her kitchen table or my kitchen table, trying to figure out how to maneuver the technology. And she did not give up. And 
She even made home visits to her students from distances because she needed to know that, um, she needed to let those kids know that she cared about them and that they were not forgotten during this horrible time. She would FaceTime them, Zoom them. Their mental health was more important than the education piece at that point in time to Mary. After Mary decided to retire, she could not take off her education hat, and she began volunteering at school. She would do whatever was needed. Um, she would come in and laminate and cut out and do whatever, bullets and boards, of course. She made us a beautiful um, relaxation room for the teachers because she knew we needed that. Um, but then she needed more. She came in and started teaching kids again two days a week on her own time, not getting paid, but volunteering because the impact she needed to keep making because that's what she was put on this earth to do was educate children. And so um, everyone is blessed because of you. Anybody that knew you, all of the thousands of students, I mean, I was thinking this morning, I was like, 30 years times 20, 25, plus all the kids that weren't in your homeroom classes. I mean, we're talking thousands of students that you've blessed. You are old. <laughs> um, you are an exemplary person, and you show what our profession is about. And coming in every day and shining your light and not being negative and putting the students first. Thank you, Mrs. Gins, for being that teacher to so many. Um, I just would like to say one more thing. Um, if you are here for Mrs. Gins, um, we're going to have a little celebration afterwards at Sombrero's because I know she wants to see whoever is here. So please join us. Okay. Let's give it up for Mary. Thank you, Heather. You can go down. God bless you. Yeah, there you go. I'll let you take that back. There you go. Yeah, let's be old together, man. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, what we feel about Mary, we feel about every educator in this place today. Every teacher, every homeschool teacher, every administrator. And we want you to know that we get it. These last couple years have been hard, man. They've been hard. And you're getting ready to go back into the fray again. And we want you to know that Westside Family Church has got your back. We're rooting for you and we're praying for you. Right, church? We're rooting for you and we're praying for you. So here's the deal. If you are an educator, uh, just teacher, administrator, uh, homeschool teacher, I want you to stand to your feet, please. Do we have anybody? There you go. That's pretty cool. Okay. Now we're going to have a chance. Stay standing. Stay standing. We've got a couple of, we're going to get a chance to give them one more big round of applause. But what I want you to, and you can be retired like Mary. And um, what I wanted you to do is that uh, all these last couple weeks, all of our uh, smaller kids and high school students have been writing special notes uh, to give you an encouragement. We prayed that you would get the right note 
that just you needed. And so we're going to invite you to come down. And what you're going to do is you're going to sign your name and what school you're from. Okay, that'll, we've got to hurry that through. And then one of our deacons will give you an envelope that has one of these letters in it, as well as a $20 gift certificate to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you won't be able to go on Sunday. But you can go any other day of the week. So uh, we're going to put some, uh, have some music, and I'm going to ask all of you. And when you come and sign it, uh, I, uh, I, even on the upstairs there, I want you to come. I just wanted you to find a place because I want to pray over you as you head back in, okay? So you teachers be coming down as we play some music and sign, get your card, and then stay down here in the front, and I'll be out in a moment.